Hi, my name is Scott and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website www.RestoredTemecula.Church and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoyed the message. I love you guys. All right, everybody. Uh, this morning, we're going to be venturing back into a, uh, a sermon series that we started quite a long time ago, that we paused for probably s- uh, several months. Um, but the, the, the sermon series, we were going through the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew, uh, his eyewitness account of the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus... And we were kind of, we spent a season exploring this reality of like, we want to we wanna learn as much as we can about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, right? Uh, that, that, that kingdom has a king, his name is Jesus. And so we, we, we titled the series, The King and His Kingdom, exploring through, gospel, through the gospel of Matthew. And it was very, very rich. We felt like God wanted to teach us a ton about priesthood. And how that's part of our identity. So we paused that for a while. And now we're kind of jumping back in because here's the thing. Like, there are few things more vital to our lives than an understanding and a pursuit of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. When I say the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, I'm talking about the rule and the reign of the true king. Right? Jesus. Him getting his way. And that as that happens, humans actually flourish. We, we're, we're, we're sold lies all the time that we think that human, flourish is gonna, human flourishing is going to be the result of you getting your way. <laughs> and it's just not true. But because there's a, there's a comprehensive, divine understanding that's possessed by Almighty God that can actually, like his rule and reign, his lordship, him getting his way can result in the, in the flourishing of every single human to the degree that we yield to it. And so we want to we we grow in that. We want to experience that. So we're, we're jumping back into that this morning. Now, a quick little caveat to that. We're going to do some fast forwarding in Matthew's gospel. So we're going to like jump ahead a couple few chapters and then come back. But the reason we're going to jump ahead a few chapters is because uh, your boy, Vinny Lettieri, is going to preach to us. <clears throat> yes, come up, come up, come up. Give him a hand. Come up, come up, come up. <clears throat> Yes, beautiful. It's a great shirt. Go ahead, get your stuff set up. I'm going to talk about you for a couple minutes. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll rock and roll. Uh, some things that you need to know about Vincent. Uh, Vinny is, he's an entrepreneur. That's not the first thing about him. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a friend. He's a brother. He loves Jesus. Um, but yeah, he's an entrepreneur, so he, he tends to think like big picture. He tends to, he tends to think about like how to uh, seize opportunities for the benefit of all people. He's, he's got a huge heart for renewal. When I say renewal, I mean like things being restored to the way that God intended for them to be. Those of you guys that are rocking the Hito Pack, uh, that's, that's one of... Um, one of Vinny's many projects, one of which that's really seeking, uh, like I said, to, to, to renew specifically in the area of like caring for those who are houseless and homeless and in need, living on the streets. He's a gospel community leader. But I think more than all that stuff that he gets to participate in and that he gives himself over to, I think one of the things that I admire most about Vinny is his, his consistent desire to yield to the will of God in his life. And that's really what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And I'm excited for you to hear this message because it's been really cool. God's been, um, you, guys, you guys have been able to hear from a lot of different voices in our church this summer, which is wonderful. And one of the themes that keeps happening is God does things in us, right? And then his desire is to, that it wouldn't just stop there, that he would not just do things in us, but he would do things through us. 
And there's a certain level of when ministry takes place like that, right? God ministers to us and then we move out to minister to others the way that we've received ministry from the Lord. There's an integrity there. And I've just seen a pattern of that happen in Vinny's life over the last several years of being his friend, being his brother, partnering in ministry and things. And like this morning is gonna be another example of that that I think is really, really, not just important for Vinny, but literally important for all of us as we pursue a greater understanding of the king and his kingdom. And so I wanna pray for him and then we'll get started. But his message this morning is coming from a place of integrity. It's coming from a place of experiential, uh, him experiencing the intervening grace of God in his life and then orienting his life around worshiping God as a result. So let me pray for us and I wanna set the table with that and then we'll get going. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we desire that you would teach us this morning. And by teach, I mean that you would show us things that we might not see. Things that might um, have gone unnoticed in our lives or in the lives of people close to us. And that you would, um, or that we would hear you clearly in your invitation to follow you. That's why we're here. We're here because you're worth it. Your ways are worth it. Your kingdom is worth it. And so show us. That's our simple prayer. Show us Jesus, Holy Spirit, that we might follow him more closely, that we might enjoy him more, obey him more, operate like him more, and as a result, experience your kingdom more in all of its fullness. We want it. We want it because we want you. The kingdom is it's just not the same without the king. So Jesus, we love you. Father, we, we're grateful for your intervening grace and spirit. We desire you to show us the way. We love you and we ask all these things in the name of your son, Father. Amen. Will you guys make some noise for Vinny one more time? <laughs> love you. Test, test, one, two. Is this on? Am I good? Yeah? Okay, yeah, that's on. Ah, I'm setting my timer, and I'm turning on my iPad, and I just lost my whole deal. That's good. Okay, here we go. Good morning, everybody. How are we? Are we good? Yeah? I know T-Rav is good over there. So So good to see Travis this morning. He's part of our community. He moved to uh, Tennessee a, a while ago, and it's just, it's so good to see his face. My name is Vinny. If you uh, don't know me, um, I consider Restored Temecula my church home. I have two kids, a uh, big old boy, 17 years old now. His name is Liam. He's in the back there with the shaggy hair, but they all have shaggy hair, so I'm not <laughs> quite sure. Uh, Uh, I have a daughter. Her name is Nyla. She's 14 years old. She's not here today. She woke up feeling really sick. Um, So such a bummer. It was so sad this morning because she's like, she's like nervous to tell me, you know, because she wants to be here to like support her dad. So like when she, when we finally like realize, hey, you're not feeling good. It's okay. Just stay home. She, she like comes into the kitchen and I'm getting toast or something, and like, like the tears start to well up in her eyes, and she's like, I'm so sorry I can't be there for you this morning. And I'm like, oh, Nyla, it's okay, honey, it's okay. So um, pray for her. She's just not feeling good. I'm sure she'll be fine. Some allergy thing, or I don't, I'm not sure what it is. Um, so their birthdays were two weeks ago. Liam turned 17, Nyla turned 14. Uh, uh, for Nyla's birthday, she got a new bunny rabbit, a baby bunny rabbit. I don't know if you've ever had a bunny rabbit before. They are incredibly cute. I have affectionately named the bunny rabbit Beauregard III. She does not like that name, so she has named her rabbit Theo, and it is just the cutest thing. But what I really like is that my wife, I think she's always wanted a bunny rabbit. My wife, her name is Jenny. We've been married 21 years this August. 
Yeah, that's a, it's a big deal. So, so when this bunny rabbit comes out, right, like any time it comes into the room, Jenny's immediately like, just, just, love, just wants to hold it and love it. and Oh, my goodness, it just makes me giggle. Um, as I said, I've been married to Jenny for 20 years. I'll be 21 at the end of this August. And uh, she is incredibly gracious and kind to me. And I mean, like, gracious and patient. Like, really patient, because I'm a bit of a goober, as it were. When we were dating... Years ago, like, like before, like 22 years ago, 23 years ago, something like this, we're dating and we, we, she lived in La Habra and I lived in um, uh, Fullerton. And we would go to like a, like a weekly home group, similar to like a gospel community, but not the same. It was more of like a Bible study kind of thing, right? So um, really good friends of ours were leading the group. They actually lead a church in Chino now, Kelly and Marianne Monahan. We love these guys, just Wonderful people, wonderful friends. And um, so we're not married yet. And we go to this, this home group, you know, in the Bible study. And we eat there too. It's sort of cool. And then, and then it's over and everyone sort of leaves. And then it's just us four. So it's, it's Kelly, Marianne, and then me and Jenny. And Kelly is, you know, he's trying to see like, hey, what are you guys going to do about this relationship? I mean, are you guys going to pursue marriage and this kind of thing? This is what he's thinking in his mind. And so he sort of sits us down, right? And he, he sits us down and, and it's not like a big deal. I'm not super nervous because we're just friends, but like you can tell the room sort of changes a little bit because the tone changes, the vibe changes as it were. So, so he like sits us down and he goes, hey, you know, Vinny, like where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Like what do you, what do you want? What do you see in the next two, three, four years? Now, obviously, he's trying to, like, get from me, hey, I, you know, I'm, I want to pursue a relationship that's going to result in marriage with my wife. Like, I really see a future for us. That's, like, obviously where he wants me to go. And I just was clueless. I'm going to be real honest with you. So my poor, really patient girlfriend at the time, Jenny, is sitting there, and I'm pondering this question. And and I look up after a few moments of the vibe change and the tone change, right? And I look up and I say, you know, I, I really want a dog, like bad. I really want a dog. Oh my gosh, you guys, it was one of those moments where like, you can tell like Kelly in his mind's like, no, 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 stop, stop talking. It was a, it was a tough ride home. Um, but my, my, honestly, my patient girlfriend who became my patient wife is still incredibly patient with me. If you were a fly on the wall in that room, or if you were there when I said that, you would have concluded that I valued a relationship with a canine far more than I valued a future with my girlfriend, obviously going into marriage. And today... We're going to talk about value. We're going to talk about what we value in life and why it's important and who we place that value on. Um, we're going to be in Matthew, as Tom said. If you want to open up your Bible to Matthew 13, we're going to be verse 44 through verse 46. Now, <clears throat> these are the words of Jesus. This is a parable. It'll be on the screen here in just a tick. Um, a parable is a, a, a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So these are like the literal words of Jesus as he tries to uh, communicate and explain and liken things to something. And you're going to see here in just a moment. So Matthew 13, verse 44, the words of Jesus, he says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field. That a man found and reburied, then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and he sold everything he had and bought it. We're going to talk about value. We're going to talk about treasure and value. But before we jump into that, Tom alluded to it a little bit, the kingdom of heaven. He was talking about how we, we put on pause this series and now we're sort of like circling back. So I just quickly want to 
build off of what he was saying with regards to the kingdom of heaven, right? So the kingdom of heaven is his rule, his reign. You just heard him say that. It's what he says is important. It's what he values. Sometimes it's easier to communicate this reality by telling you what it's not, okay? So the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of this world, what the world values, what the world says is important, what the world would feed you via lies and tell you distraction here and you should really be worried about this, keeping up with the Joneses here. That's not the kingdom of heaven. And like he said, the kingdom of heaven is not much without the king. I just wanted to quickly circle around to that so that we're on the same page because we're going to go to my very first point. To treasure is to attach significant value to something or someone. If you're taking notes, write it down because I think it's something to sit with even though it seems very easy to understand. Like we all know what treasure is, but do we? Because to treasure is to attach significant value to something or someone. And here's what's really cool. You get to decide what you attach significant value to. That's your decision. You get to decide what you attach significant value to. Um, so I just told you about my kids and, you know, they're 17 and 14. We're in a different season of life. Like I don't have a three, four, or five-year-old running around, banging their head on the, the coffee table, doing this kind of thing, Right? We're just in a completely different season, and it's so wonderful and great, and it's also terrible. <laughs> Let me tell you why it's terrible. It's terrible because I'm starting to realize some things. My boy and I, we play Smash Brothers on the Switch. I don't know if you guys know what Smash Brothers is. It's, it's so much fun. It's like, um, like for my generation, it would be the equivalent of like Street Fighter II. So, like, really, like, so much fun. And I was really good at Street Fighter 2. Ken was my guy. Ken was my character. So, so we play Smash Brothers, my boy and I do. And we play it often. It's sort of our thing, right? So we sit down and we, we, we get into it because we trash talk. So we're hitting each other and, oh, where were you on that one? You know, so it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And as he, as he gets older, I mean, it's still fun. But as he gets older, I'm starting to realize, like, he's not always going to be around to play video games with me. And so I'm starting to like value those moments with him very differently than I was, you know, even a few years ago. Um, my daughter, this is so fun. My daughter, so she's a part of the Arti Artistic Dance Academy in Winchester. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's like a dance studio. Everyone goes and they, you know, ballet and, and this, you know, I don't know, this type of thing. I don't know a lot about dance. So, so they have a daddy-daughter dance. Now you think that that would be like, oh, hey, you're going to take your daughter on a date and you're going to go get Chick-fil-A and you're going to go and do a slow dance and it's going to be fun and then she's going to get bored with you and she's going to go play with her friends and then she's going to come back and you do a little whatever. You take pictures, it's super fun. That's not what this is at all. Let me tell you what a daddy-daughter dance is with someone who's part of the Artistic Dance Academy. Three choreographed dances I had to learn. Three. We were going to put a video up, but it didn't come in in time. So, oh, what a bummer. I'm not talking about like sidestep clap. I'm talking about 50 dudes in a humid room, all standing like this. And then this girl in the front with the mirrors. And she's like, five, six, and she does the thing. And she's going like, we got to learn this, man. We got to learn it. Three. I'll tell you what was messed up, though. This is so messed up. One of the three dances was dads only. They should not have done that. Nobody wants to see a bunch of 30, 40, 50-year-olds up there doing moves and breaking hips. Man, that's not okay. So, but let me tell you, like, that moment, I told her, like, right when we got off the stage, I'm like, that was so great. That moment was so wonderful. It's going to be in my memory did I want to be on stage doing these dances? No, but I did with her. And I valued that moment so much because she's not always going to want to do daddy-daughter dance with me. 
She's getting older. That's just the reality. That's just what happens. So I, I value those things differently. To treasure is to attach significant value. And I, I attach value to those moments that are now becoming less because of the realities of my kids growing up. So I have a question for you this morning. What do you attach significant value to? You personally. What have you decided to attach significant value to? Some of you, like something immediately came to mind. And some of you, you're like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I value many things. That's okay. Because we're, we're going we're gonna to check our metrics this morning. We're going we're gonna to see what we value. Because I really want, I, I think it's imperative for us to be able to sit with this this week and really ponder about these realities because it's so important. And we're going to see why in a few moments, okay? Um, let's go back to our passage here. I, wa- I want you to see something, okay? Um, there's, a, there's a priority shift that takes place in both stories of the guy that, that, that found the treasure and the guy that was looking for the pearl. So listen to this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then, in his joy, then... Something changed. Look at this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went. Something happened. Did you catch it? There's a priority shift. Because of the value that they placed on the treasure and on the pearl, there was a priority shift. What you prioritize will reveal what you have attached significant value to. And not what you think you prioritize. What you actually prioritize. Like what you prioritize in practice. I'll tell you what's really scary about checking your metrics and and trying to sort through what you attach significant value to based upon your priorities is that the greatest hindrance to the truth is the belief that you already know it. Think about that for a second. The greatest hindrance to the truth is the belief that you already know it. See, you can tell yourself, oh, I prioritize these things, and they're all wonderful things. But what really do you prioritize? What do, your, what do the friends who are, who are good enough friends to tell you what you prioritize, what do they say? What does your family say? You prioritize. What do your bank statements say? What do you spend your money on? What do you think about when all the distractions are gone, when you've stopped and you, 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 the, the TV's off and the kids are put down and you sat down for a moment and you go, what do you immediately think about? What do you obsess over? What's the one thing that if you just had it, my life would be better or uh, you know, I would finally be happy or I would be complete? What is it? Is it more respect? Is it like, I I just need a better job. I just need more money in the bank. I just need more money. Is it honor? Is it prestige? Is it like, is it the idea of future comfort? I just, this was one for me. Like, I just need to make sure my 401k is good so that when I retire, I have enough money. I used to think about that all the time, guys. Jenny, I'll tell you. Here's one. Here's one that'll mess you up. Is it escape? Do you value escape because the world is just, there's too many things going on. I just need to get out of this right now. My kids are driving me nuts. My husband doesn't even know what he's saying anymore. He's telling me that canines are better than me. I just need to escape. I just need, is that, not that my wife is saying that. I'm just using it as an example. What is it for you? Tom said that like, God's doing this like really incredible thing where he's, he's having people share based on an experience. And this could not be more true for me because this last week, I've been preparing for this for a while, guys. I've been, I've been sorting through stuff and I'm gonna be real, real vulnerable and real frank with you. Like I probably had like three or four messages put together and they were just... They, they were all over the show. 
And if it wasn't for like really close friends taking the time to help separate what I'm trying to do and what's really at the heart of who I am and help me see what's going on with me, like this, I wouldn't be here right now doing this. If it wasn't for like Mama Karen, like coming and saying, listen, I need to pray for you. Like my community coming around me. If it wasn't for people really taking a moment and like just, man, this is what's happening. Let's talk about it. This wouldn't be happening. Because let me tell you what was taking place with me. Um, I recently told Jenny, this is the first time I've ever told her this in, in, in our marriage. I recently told her like, I've hit my limit. I've hit my limit. And what I mean by that is I was spinning so many plates. You guys, I, I, I valued opportunity so much that I was spinning. I can't, I'm not going to go through the details. I'm not going to try to like boast in my busyness. I don't, I'm not going to try to give you all the plates. Let me tell you, it was so many plates that I was miserable. In my attempt to try to like live life to the fullest and not miss any opportunities, right? Like I want an abundance of life. In my attempt for this life that was just full of all this stuff, I was actually not even living. I kept spinning these plates and I told her, I said, I, said, I, I, found, I found my limit. I'm in the weeds, man. I'm not even in the weeds. I was like underwater you know, like they say, tread water, like, oh, I'm just treading water. I was not even treading water. I was like slowly sinking and like the last few bubbles out of my lungs were starting to dissipate, man. I was miserable, guys. I was, my buddy called me out. He said, man, you, there's just a heaviness on you. What's going on? I was t- I, we, do this, uh, we do this thing, Marco Polo. You guys know Marco Polo? Super fun app. There's a part of me that's a little nervous about it because like I think they record everything and so like I don't know how that plays into anyway it doesn't matter. So this Marco Polo app you basically like record yourself and you send it to your buddies. I had buddies and I'm I'm telling them all these things and and I kept saying things like you guys I just I'm spent, I'm tired. It was really tough. I'll tell you what I was prioritizing was opportunity. What I was placing significant value on was this idea of like living life to the fullest and grabbing all that I can grab. My priorities were messed up, man. My priorities were all out of whack. And you know what happened? After, after a friend sat me down and we, we went through this thing, man, and I realized that I needed a priority shift when Jesus showed me I needed a priority shift and that I was placing value on something completely different. Peace, like, just came, like, it, it was the most supernatural thing. I'm telling you guys, I just felt like, man, I feel really good. I feel so much peace right now because my priorities were starting to align with the king and his kingdom, not with what I wanted to do and my opportunities and, and all these great things which are great on their own. That's fine. But when they hold ultimate value, when they hold the most significant value in my life, like, what am I doing? My priorities were all messed up. What you prioritize will reveal what you value. Did you see, um, I just want to hit the passage again real quick, because there's, there's a moment here in the passage where, like, there's that priority shift and then sacrifice. I'm just going to read the whole thing for us once more, Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. He sells everything he has in light of the significant value of the treasure. And Jesus is likening the kingdom of heaven to the treasure that is worth so much that he'll sell everything he has. Do you see that? Sacrifice, to value requires sacrifice. And if you do not see the value, you will not be willing to sacrifice. The kingdom of heaven is of the highest priority to those who see its value. 
That hit me this week. That's what happened to me. I was not seeing the value of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is of the highest priority to those who see its value. Hang with me for just a second, okay? We're going to go on a little story, story ride. We're all going to get in a bus, and we're going to go on a story ride right now. Okay, here we go. I want you to pretend that you have played the lotto every week since you were legally able to do it. You love the lotto. It's your fun thing. You go to the same convenience store every single week. They know your name when you walk in. You always get the same drink, and you always play the same numbers. They're your numbers. And you're convinced that one day you're going to win. So you always play the same numbers, right? Now, you've been doing this 5, 10, 15 years. You haven't won a dime. Not a single, nothing. No money. But you keep playing the lotto. It's like your favorite thing to do. So Monday comes around and you're like, hey, it's lotto day. I'm going to walk into my convenience store. They know my name. How are we doing today? And you start doing your thing and you put your same numbers that you do every single time. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday goes by and then it's lotto pick day. It's time for them to hit the numbers, okay? So you're sitting down. You have a nice uh, steak dinner, chicken, whatever. Whatever you like to eat. I like pasta. I'm going to have pasta in my story. So you sit down, you're having your pasta, and you say, oh, wait, it's a lot of time. You put on the TV, man, you're so pumped up, and you're sitting there watching, and the lady comes up, she says, hey, it's the lotto time, you know, we're going to do the thing, and the balls are spinning in the thing real fast, and it's not a big deal. You've done this for years. You know every single part of this process, so you're not, like, overly excited because you haven't won in 15 years. The first ball drops, and it's your number, and you go, okay, that's cool. I've got one number before. Not a big deal. I've gotten like one number at least six times in the last 15 years. Like no problem. Second number drops. It's your number. You got two numbers. Okay, feeling pretty good about it. Like it's not that big of a deal, but you know, you're going to eat your pasta still or your steak or whatever you're eating. Third number rolls over. You've got three numbers. Okay, wait a minute. Okay. Armpits are starting to sweat a little bit, right? Like you, you go, okay, let me turn the volume up. Fourth number. Four numbers. Okay, now you're standing up and you're like walking funny, right? Like you got to use the restroom and you're so pumped. Fifth number. You're waiting. The volume can't go any higher than it is. It falls, goes down. Five numbers. Oh my goodness. You've at least won something. And if you get the Powerball, you will have just won $500 million. So let me tell you, you are, you are waiting, okay? You are like eyes glued on the TV. You don't even know what you were eating. And this thing is taking forever to drop. And she's talking her, whatever she's saying. And then that, that boom, and it rolls over. And you think that your numbers are in there. And it's like the rolling is taking forever. And then it stops, and it's your number. You just won $500 million. You are so pumped. You're doing karate chops in the air. You are like jumping. People think you're getting murdered. Your neighbors are thinking all sorts of weird things. It's the best. You are so ecstatic. So you run over to the island where you always put your keys in your wallet and your lotto ticket for every week. And you look in the dish that you put that in and, and, there, and there's, no, there's no lotto ticket there. And that's weird, and so not a big deal. So you're, you're checking your pockets, and you open up your wallet, and it's not there. And You're not nervous yet, but you're like, it's got to be here, right? It's got to be in the house. So you run to your room, and you're starting to take the laundry out of the hamper, and you're looking at the stuff, and you can't find your lotto ticket. So you, you run outside to your car, right? You run to your car, and you're like, you're looking underneath the car seats, man. You're, where is this thing? I can't find And you think, maybe I left it at work. Maybe I left it at work. Okay, so you wake up real early the next day. You race to your office. You're the first one in the building. You get in there and you're tearing your desk apart and you can't find this lotto ticket. The $500 million winning lotto ticket that you won and you know you won because they're your numbers. And then it hits you. You remembered where you put it. You went to your storage container and when you were in your storage container dropping off a box, you had put the lotto ticket down on another box and you left it there. I know where it is. I know where it is. You leave work. You don't even care. Fire me, dude. No problem. You get in your car. 
you're racing as fast as you can to the storage unit. You get there. The parking lot's full. The parking lot's never full at the storage unit. Why is the parking lot full? You finally find a parking spot. You start running to your space, and there's like a, a bunch of people around your storage unit. And you hear this dude like going, 100, 200, and you go, oh no, I didn't pay my bill. They're auctioning off my storage unit that has $500 million in it. Your heart sinks. What would you do? What would you do? Would you say 1,000, 10,000, 15,000, 100,000? It wouldn't matter up into the number of your winnings, right? Wouldn't you sacrifice maybe your net worth and your house, 500,000? Well, of course you would because the lotto ticket's 500 million. Because of the significant value, overwhelming, surpassing value of the lotto ticket, you would sacrifice a lot, wouldn't you? If the king and his kingdom is not my highest priority, where I'm, I'm not willing to attach significant or ultimate value to it and reprioritize things, then I would argue that I have devalued the king and his kingdom. Remember, you get to decide what you place value in. You get to decide that. And if the king and his kingdom is not my highest priority where I've attached significant value to it, then I've devalued the king. That's what I did this last week. It was a culmination of weeks, really. It was, well, months. But I didn't know. The kingdom of heaven is of the highest priority to those who see its value. I just want to review them real quick, and then I'm going to call the band up because, believe it or not, um, I have five minutes left. That went a lot. I do? All right. Um, the reason I want to review this is because I think it's imperative for us to think about this, sit on this this week. Talk to people who you trust. Ask them the question, what would you say that I prioritize? What does my life show in practice, in action, that I prioritize? Because I would be willing to bet that a lot of us need to shift our priorities. This is part of the reality of like renewing your mind and setting ourselves, setting our, our, our eyes back on Jesus, on the king and his kingdom, where peace washes over you, man, immediately. You guys, I'm telling you, if you I'll bet you, I shouldn't speak for them, but I'll bet you if you talk to my buddies on the polo, it was one day like just heavy and tough and I'm just, I just got to make it. I was saying phrases like this, I just got to make it till September. I just got to make it. And the next day, man, it was like, I feel really good. Everything's changed because the king is sitting on the throne where he belongs. And what's terrifying is sometimes we put other things on the throne. Sometimes we put ourselves on the throne, don't we? Sometimes we put respect on the throne or we put, I just got to have this house on the throne and not King Jesus. To treasure is to attach significant value to. And what you prioritize will reveal what you have attached significant value to. And the kingdom of heaven is of the highest priority to those who see its value. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the band up. We're going to land the plane here. You might be playing for 20 minutes, but it's okay. We'll get there. So when I, um, when I did the, the first preach on Yedea, right, this idea of like experiential knowledge, knowing him, not just knowing about Jesus, but knowing him, 
um, I was preaching out of um, Philippians. And I'm actually going to go back there because Paul, the Apostle Paul, he saw the value. Let me, I just want to read to you what he says here. Um, This is Philippians 3, verse 7. And Paul says, But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss. Listen to this. In the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says, I consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The man that found the treasure, he said, because of the significant value that I've placed on the treasure, that I have reburied in the field, I will sell everything just to acquire it. I will give up everything, empty my bank account just so I can have it, man. The merchant looking, searching for the pearl, when he found it, he said, man, I'll get rid of everything. I'll sell my business. Whatever it takes, I don't care. I just need the pearl. And Jesus likens those two stories. He says, look, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Its its value is so far surpassing that you are willing to get rid of everything. It doesn't matter anymore. Because the king and his kingdom... A lot of us have been fighting, fighting like, like through the realities of how difficult life is, man. It's tough. Come on, let's be honest. It gets really tough. It's beautiful at times and it's wonderful, but it's tough. There's always a to-do list, isn't there? There's always a to-do list. It doesn't matter. There's just always something else to do that you have to get done. And it, become, it can become like incredibly redundant and difficult to live that way because you just get so focused on it. But when you reprioritize and start putting your focus on the king and his kingdom, those other things don't matter nearly as much. They don't. Because he's the king. He's King Jesus, man. There's, a, um, there's another like really famous story in the Bible about sacrifice, about treasure. Um, and I'll bet you that most of you know this verse. Um, I'm going to stop this so it doesn't make noise. I'll bet you most of you know this verse. In fact, I can almost guarantee that most of you know it by heart. But it's another really famous story, man, and and it's, it's important to talk about because in John 3, verse 16, it says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what God treasures? Mm. Do, you know what, do you know what God like places significant value on? Do you know? You. Man, it gets me. He places so much value, significant value that he prioritized you. He sacrificed everything. He emptied his bank account, you guys. Why? Because of you, the surpassing value of you, knowing you. Come on, man. Are you serious right now? All my words are blurry because I got some tears in my eyes, sorry. I don't think you realize that like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Another translation says remarkably made. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows you intimately and loves you so much so that he would literally do the biggest sacrifice of all sacrifices. There's never been a bigger sacrifice than what Jesus did. Never. That's just a fact. It was a cosmic sacrifice. And the ramifications, the, 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 the priority shift, the change, what took place was just so that you could know him and he could know you. If you don't hear anything else this morning, 
Like not a thing. If you're asleep right now, wake up real quick, man. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. You are his treasure. You are his treasure. He loves you. He prioritized you. He's attached significant value to you. And to the degree that you believe that is to the degree that your response will be to treasure him. Because how can you not? How can you not? To the degree that you believe that he treasures you is to the degree that your response will be to treasure him. Tom's going to come up in a couple of, of seconds here and we're going to have like an opportunity to respond. And here's the thing, like you can come to a gathering every single Sunday and just check out. You've checked off your box. That's your decision. Or you can come and you can engage and you can step into the realities of like, hey, he treasures me, man. I just, God, like, I don't know how this works, but like, I just, I just feel like I just want to praise you because like you loved me. We love him because he first loved us. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's opportunity this morning for people to like, not just engage, but like sort of wipe off and get rid of all the stuff that you've been holding on to for like so long. Like the stuff you've been holding on to for like, like you just don't want to give that part up because you'd rather it be your way instead of the king and his kingdom. And even though it's like really difficult down that path, you're just powering through it, man. You're going to climb up that mountain. You're going to conquer the hill. It doesn't matter. You can do it. But you know what? It's miserable. It is. That peace to come and ensue. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But you have to, you have to engage, man. You have to talk with him. You have to praise him. You have to get those things off and say, you know what? I'm just, I'm just ready to surrender, man. I'm done. I'm done fighting this fight, man. I'm over it. I just need to surrender. I, w- I would encourage, I would encourage you this morning. Be brave and be obedient to what the Spirit's doing. And if the Spirit, if the Spirit is, is, is if He's calling you to surrender, man, do it. Do it. Tom's gonna close us up, guys. That's all I got. Thank you, guys. Thanks, buddy. Well done, man. Will you guys stand with me if you're able? If you're on the ministry team, the prayer team this morning, would you kind of make your way to the front, please? Wonderful. So here's what we're going to do. I feel uh, I'm going to take a couple minutes here because I think that God has some things. If you are under the age of 25, will you just do me a favor? Um, Will you just raise your hand in in the sky? Wonderful. Okay, um, so I think, that, I think that God has something for us. Uh, I think it's for every single person in the room, but I think it's especially for those of you that are under 25. Thank you, guys. You can put your hands down. And in, in light of what Jesus is teaching in his word, that Vinny, through the ways that God has created Vinny and gifted Vinny to make it come alive and to contextualize it for his church family, there's something that I think God has for every one of us, especially for those of you that are under 25. That story, there's the man who goes and finds the treasure. There's the merchant who goes and finds the pearl. And I think what God wants all of us to realize this morning is essentially what what Jesus is saying, what Vinny is saying. Um, I think when we read that, who do we identify with? We identify with the man or the merchant and we, oh, we need to, right? 
But in light of the gospel, that's actually not who you are in the story. You're not the merchant. You're not the man. You're, you're the pearl. That's the perfect response, bro. That was fire right there. For real. You're the pearl. You're the treasure. That's, that's Vinny's message. That's Jesus' message. God treasures you. Hear me. If you're having trouble attaching ultimate truth to that in your mind, there's trusted men and women who are going to be up here to pray. I don't know about you. Sometimes I have trouble attaching truth to that. Oftentimes I attach truth to I'm the man I need, I need to do. I need to do better. Can we just be people who yield to King Jesus? Can we, can we yield to Brother Vinny's message this morning and saying, no, we're not the man to try harder. The gospel says we're the pearl. The gospel says that we're the treasure. That the God-man Jesus gave up everything that he had, his riches. For your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to receive that. It's easy to receive it for everybody else. Sometimes it's hard to receive it for us. If you have trouble attaching truth to that gospel truth, that reality, these trusted minimum would love to pray for you. So two, two things, priests and patients this morning, every morning, right, in response. Priests, people who are orienting their life around worshiping God, blessing him just because he's worthy. We're gonna praise him. The band's gonna lead us in that. So that's all of us. We want to respond to his grace and his love and his mercy as priests. But we also, we need the great physician, don't we? Sometimes we need to take the posture of a patient who needs care. Trusted men and women up here to pray for you, minister to you. Band leading us in a time of praise. Let's do this. Let's fill this space. Hear me. With the kingdom of heaven. God getting his way and watch what happens. All right, enjoy him. Herrick will be up to pastor us and close us in a bit. Yeah.